Welcome to the Key Wealth Matters podcast, a series of candid conversations with leading experts about how individuals and organizations can grow and protect their finances, tailored around current events and trends. Here's your host for today's podcast, Brian Peterangelo. Welcome to the Key Wealth Matters weekly podcast, where we casually ramble on about important topics, including the markets, the economy, human ingenuity, and almost anything under the sun, giving you the keys to unlock the mysteries of the markets and investing. Today is Friday, March 18th, 2022. I'm Brian Peterangelo, and with me today, I'd like to introduce our starting lineup of investment experts. Each has enough skills, wisdom, and experience to take our clients deep into the tournament of investing and also address the madness of the markets. We have George Mateo, our Chief Investment Officer, Steve Haight, Head of Equities, and Rajiv Sharma, Head of Fixed Income. As a reminder, a lot of great content is available on key.com slash wealthinsights, including updates from our Wealth Institute on many different subjects, and especially our Key Questions article series, addressing a relevant topic for investors each Wednesday. So it's been an interesting week. The dominant theme of our conversation today will obviously be about the Fed meeting from March, so we'll cover that soon. We've also got a couple updates on the market as well as some commodities thoughts from Steve. Looking at overall economic data that came out for the week, still fairly strong from an economic perspective. Retail sales only up about 0.3% month over month, but the key is it's still up 15% year over year, as well as industrial production up 24% year over year. Lastly, unemployment claims still stayed low. The initial amount for the prior week was 214,000, again, significantly below the pre-pandemic levels. So still healthy growth there in the economy. And with that, we'll turn to you, George, with some initial thoughts on the Fed and then move to Rajiv. Yeah, you're right, Brian, to signal some of the continued strength in the economy. Um, it really does suggest to me in the near term anyway that uh, a recession is, the risk of recession is rather low. The word recession has been bandied about more recently and probably something we have to pay attention to later this year or next year's outlook. But for now, when you see housing starts, jobless claims, um, retail sales, you mentioned, was kind of tepid on the month, but it's still really strong year over year. And, um, you know, some of that is just certainly price activity where we're kind of paying more for things. But the overall demand picture is still quite, um, quite hot in the consumer segment. Housing's going along pretty strong. Industrial production, you know, a lot of a lot of strength manufacturing wise as, as well. And we still have, you know, the Fed printing money and, and money supply still increasing. So the overall backdrop, at least from the economic perspective, is, is certainly pretty robust. Um, we'll have to pay attention to what happens later this year, I think. But it does suggest that inflation is going to be a bit stickier, as we've talked about. And, and the Fed certainly got engaged this week and, and has been trying to sniff that out. So I think, Rajiv, turn to you, first of all. You know, it was an important week. The Fed um, not only started by raising interest rates for the first time in four years, but they suggest that uh, inflation is going to be a bit hotter than expected. So what did you make of the Fed report this week, Rajiv? Uh, yeah, you make a very good point there, George. I mean, the Fed report came out, all eyes were on the FOMC. I think pretty much everyone expected a 25 basis point hike. We got that. Uh, but I would view the FOMC meeting as a hawkish uh, statement. Uh, the statement that came out, what, the reason why it's hawkish is because they came out and they said that uh, we estimate uh, seven total rate hikes for uh, 2022. So this is a departure from where they were uh, last time they had a Fed meeting. And and I think it kind of adds to the sentiment without the Fed actually saying that they were behind the curve. Uh, by, by signaling seven rate hikes for the year, it shows the market that they were behind the curve. And uh, they're going to do everything it takes to uh, control inflation. 25 basis points might not get them there, but every meeting is going to be live now. And with every live meeting, you have the chance that maybe a data dependent 
a data dependent Fed, they may raise 50 basis points if they need to next time. But this is going to uh, really impact the market. It did. We saw the impact on the market. The yield curve immediately jumped after that. Uh, it flattened further. Uh, we've seen a flattened yield curve based on the Fed. I think what another interesting point about the uh, FOMC was the new dots. Uh, they signal the intention of raising rates to 2.8% in 2023 and 2024. And if you think the neutral rate is 2.4%, so they're going to be above that for a while. They expect inflation to remain hot. And uh, that target that they have of 2%, uh, you know, that it's well beyond, beyond that, actually, if you look at their uh, summary economic projections. Yeah, I think the market seems to, you know, anticipate or have probably correctly anticipated the fact that they'd be raising rates pretty actively this year, you know, six or seven times. I know it was, you know, a few months ago that it was clearly seven times. We had the Ukraine situation, so people thought the Fed might be a little less aggressive and took down those numbers only to raise it back up again, and now the Fed's kind of met them there. The the 2023 forecast for uh, for interest rates was pretty interesting to me that the market's not buying it. So the market is, is looking maybe for some slowdown at the end of this year or in the next year. But I also thought that they had this interesting forecast for unemployment, where they still think unemployment is going to be low. So they've got a, a more... Um, a more aggressive forecast for interest rates and a more aggressive forecast for what they need to do to try and take inflation down. But they also think unemployment is going to stay pretty low. And that, that doesn't seem like that's going to be, um, that's, a, that's a circle I can't square right now and how to, how to reconcile that, that disconnect. I mean, so I, is, the, is, the Fed, is the Fed right to think that employment's not going to, um, going to move and, and they, they won't actually harm the economy to try and take inflation down? I think the Fed is really trying to soft landing for the economy. I mean, they're trying to thread a needle here. We haven't seen that since the early 1990s. Uh, if you tighten too slowly, then you risk inflation going out of control. If you, if you be more aggressive right now with tightening, then you could really tip the economy into a recession. I think they're really trying to really thread the needle here. Uh, if, you, if you heard uh, Fed Chair Powell's presser, he mentioned that the term that the economy can handle it, can handle it several, several times in that, in that presser. Everybody, uh, there were a lot of questions asked him about what about unemployment. He really feels that unemployment is going to be steady. Uh, we're not going to have any uh, any increases in that level. And, and I think that uh, it's kind of wishful thinking because uh, there is going to be some uh, tensions on the economy if you really go aggressive. I mean, seven rate hikes in this year, we haven't seen that kind of rate uh, hiking cycle in a long time. I think the last time we saw that, it actually took two years to get seven rate hikes. So... Um, it, it's pretty aggressive right now to try to control inflation. And there's no guarantees that they'll be able to do that. Uh, I do think there's a sentiment out there that they'll, there's data dependent. So you get to the, the summer months, see where you are. But uh, there's a lot of moving parts here. And I think that uh, the Fed focusing solely on inflation, I, I think something else could give at that point. I mean, the yeah. thing that really jumped out to me dur during the trading this week was that if you go inside the numbers and start to dig into some of the esoteric markets so namely the swaps markets forward swaps um, the market is actually pricing in a policy error right now because if you look at the swaps markets the swaps markets are telling you that by the end of 2023 the fed will have reduced the fed funds rate by 50 basis points and what that means is that you're looking at uh, the market already anticipating that the hiking cycle that they're going to have now is going to fail, uh, <laughs> and they're going to be they're going to be cutting in 2023 by the end of the year. 
So it, uh, to me, it's a, it's a fascinating dynamic right now when you look at the, the both the rate hikes that people are pricing in up front and then the market pricing in the fact that it's likely going to tank things and they're going to have to be cutting again by the end of next year. Well, that's what I was saying, Steve, by the Fed uh, and the market not buying what the Fed is saying, right? So a policy here is one way to put it, and that could be uh, something to think about for sure. You know, meantime, we've seen rates move up. We've seen mortgage rates move up. The housing market, though, has stayed really strong. I mean, what do you see right now, Steve, in the housing sector in particular? I mean, it doesn't seem like it's cool enough to me. Doesn't seem that way right now, George. I mean, it, yeah. it, you're even though you're looking at uh, you know a couple hundred dollars on the average mortgage higher because of rates. Um, right now, we continue to see demand uh, booming. Uh, we'll see if the fact that there's other pressures on family budgets uh, because of higher uh, gas prices, higher food prices, potentially as we move through the course of the year, if that starts to put a damper on things. But as we head into the spring selling season and buying season for homes, uh, clearly right now it's a, a market that has re remained hot, even with uh, mortgage rates up 100 basis points year over year. Yeah, so I think that the stagflationary narrative that we talked about um, on the prior call is something we probably want to be thinking about. We, we can't dismiss it, yeah, but it's, to me, in the near term anyway, it still seems like we're in kind of an inflationary boom, right? Where just there's a lot of, a lot of demand that, that's almost price insensitive, where right? people are going to pay more for goods almost irrespective of price. Not totally, of course, there are certain people that, um, that are not that situation. But when you see prices moving up, um, despite the fact that it's more expensive to finance a house or a car, more expensive to buy ordinary goods, people are, are kind of paying that, right? So, um, you know, you've seen that that inflationary boom pick up. I've also seen, Steve, an inflection in earnings. So earnings growth continues to kind of trend higher. The overall multiple of the market is trending lower, of course, but it seems like earnings growth has also accelerated a bit um, to the back half of this year. We saw some positive earnings uh, revisions here in the last week or two, George, and we have seen that number inflect a bit higher. It'll be interesting to watch as we move into first quarter reporting season in the month of April, if we continue to see that trend uh, as, we, as we go higher uh, here. You know, I think a lot of people thought that the first quarter numbers were gonna see revisions lower, not higher. So, so it caught me a bit by surprise. Um, when you take a look at the multiple, though, the multiple has really been the thing that has uh, told the tale for the market in terms of performance here to date, because multiple compression has been the key driving factor, not underlying earnings. The thing for people to remember with earnings, though, is that as long as earnings continue to trend up and to the right, um, it cuts off the fat tail for the market to the downside. And by that, I mean it It really takes that that bear market minus 35 minus 50 type of potential drawdown off the table so it doesn't mean that the market can't have a a, a 15 to 20 percent drawdown during the course of a, of a year and you know quite frankly that would be fairly normal given what we've seen historically uh, but it cuts that 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 potential for there to be a really bad outcome for equity investors it still takes that off the table so we continue to watch that like a hawk um, and, but for now, up and to the right still is what we see. Yeah, 2004 was kind of a similar environment. Um, I'm sorry, not 2004, 1994 was a similar environment where the Fed was pretty aggressive. We were kind of coming out of a, of a recovery that was, again, kind of on the back of the Gulf War, of course, in early 90s. 92, 93 were pretty decent years, uh, 93 in particular, but 94 was kind of a tough year, right, where I think, as you might recall, Steve and Rajiv, you know, rates were moving higher. 
earnings were doing quite well, but the market multiple came in. And I think, you know, there's a lot of volatility that year, but the returns were kind of flat, both for, for, for stocks and bonds. And again, we're kind of getting that this year where I think that the, the, the stock market is down roughly 7%. So we've had a lot of volatility and probably feels a lot worse. And many of the companies that, uh, that are most notable and probably recognizable to many people have fared even a lot worse. But the overall bond index regime is down, what, 5 6% this year too. So you've got stocks down 7 bonds down 5 you know, I think it's just going to be a really you know, difficult year overall to make money, unfortunately, but we're kind of digesting a, a tightening by the Fed at the same time that inflation is, is, is lifting earnings and, and revenues. So it's going to be kind of a push-pull, but um, I don't know, Rajiv, do you think the Fed is, is going to, um, are they going to change their mind in the, the year? Are they going to kind of wait and see how things play out? What do you, what do you think is going to happen at the end of the year? Uh, I think at the end of the year, they're probably going to wait and see how things uh, pan out. But unfortunately, in the history is a lesson for all of us that uh, the Fed generally overshoots and, uh, and you know, there could be a policy error. And I think a lot of the people in the market uh, are, are estimating that there will be a policy error. The Fed being aggressive right now is kind of catch up. Uh, they're, they're going from an area where they didn't think we'd need even three to four rate hikes this year to seven. Uh, I think that uh, they're going to, they're saying they're data dependent, but uh, you have to realize that uh, data moves very quickly. And I think that uh, the FOMC might not be able to uh, control this once they really get on this Fed hiking cycle. I mean, we've seen it in the in the yield curve itself. I mean, you see the two-year U.S. Uh, Treasury note yield, it jumped 160 basis points over the last six months. And we're starting this Fed tightening cycle at a point where the, the, uh, the yield curve is very flat. And uh, we generally don't have it... Uh, a hiking cycle when the yield curve is this flat. So the chances of an inversion on, the, on any point of the yield curve, we could see that. We saw sevens and tens invert already, although that's not really a nice gauge for um, for recession, but you're looking at twos, tens, or about 25 basis points between them. Uh, generally, when you're inside 50 basis points on twos, tens, that's considered a danger zone. We're at 25 basis points. It could be a strong signal for recession in six to 18 months. Once it inverts, uh, consistently inverts, uh, but uh, that's an important point to look at. And I think three months and 10 years also a very important part to look at. That has been steepening. But right after the FOMC meeting, we saw a flattening of that as well, just very quickly. But then the next day it did steepen. So I think, I think the Fed is looking at the yield curve. Investors are looking at the yield curve. They're looking for any signal that something will break. And once it does, I think it's going to be too far. Yeah, so just to reset kind of some some terms and define some things, when you talk about yield curves regime, of course, you're talking about the difference between short-term rates and long-term interest rates. And typically, when things are kind of in a normal environment, long-term interest rates uh, or long-term uh, bonds have a higher interest rate than a short-term bond does, right? Because the investor needs more compensation to take more risk. And as you pointed out, when you start to see the difference between the long-term interest rates, long-term bonds, and short-term bonds start to converge, you have that kind of flattening of, of, of the curve, as they call it, right? The difference between right. short-term bonds and long-term bonds kind of normalizes and converges. And that, as you pointed out, is not, you know, there's a lot of debate on this uh, as to what that means for a recession, but it does suggest that maybe the odds of recession certainly increase going out, as you pointed out, six to 12, 18 months. So it's not, it's not the event itself, but it's a process, but it does suggest, suggest that things start to slow down a little bit and the odds of recession increase. But you know, also, we, you're right to point out that the Fed is doing this at a time where we've already started to see that flattening of the curve. We also have, Steve, a lot of inflationary pressures from the commodity sector. And of course, the Ukraine situation really propelled that even further. But you've got a great article out this week that talks about commodities. So what, what do you think we should read through with respect to higher commodity prices in general? 
Yeah, I mean, I know we've had a week where commodity prices pulled back, and and that's to be expected given the parabolic moves that we saw in the the week or two prior to that in reaction to the Ukraine situation, very clearly. However, what I, I think the main takeaway is that we're we're likely headed uh, in the higher direction for a longer period of time as the world readjusts to the uh, situation with. Ukrainian and Russian supply coming off the markets in a number of different places. Obviously, crude oil is the one everybody focuses on uh, because of Russia being the one of the largest exporters in the world. Um, and, and clearly, we think that, there, that we're going to see continued volatility there. We're not at the point where we see demand destruction yet. Frankly, you got to be above $150 to see that in the current environment. Uh, but um, clearly, we're going to be in an area where we have a lot of volatility. I think the thing that most confirm, most most concerns us is the impact on food markets, uh, wheat, uh, knock-on impact down the food chain to protein sources and things like this. There are areas in the world which get a ton of their uh, a ton of their food supply from uh, both Russia and Ukraine, the Middle Eastern countries in particular. Um, could be tinder boxes as we move into the court over the course of the year if food prices really remain uh, significantly higher. So it's something to pay attention to. Uh, while we have had things come off the boil a little bit this week, uh, believe me, this is, is not something that's going to go away in terms of a story. It's likely to be with us through the course of the year, George. Yeah, I, I suspect you're right. I think there'll be a lot of stories that unfold this year. And I think, again, it's important to recognize that volatility cuts both ways. And it's important to remain diversified and really focus on the long term, given how much uh, how much volatility is likely to persist in the near term, for sure. So thanks for that commentary, Steve. Thanks, gentlemen. Taking everything into consideration, some of the listeners like simplicity around our thoughts. And can we put that into a number with where we think a potential recession or policy error sits today based on what we think overall with everything we just discussed today? Is it 15%? Is it 25%? Where do we think? And I know that's dangerous to give a number, but it's a simplicity factor that helps clients understand where do we think we're at right now? Oh, that is a tough number for sure. And it changes a lot, Brian, but the odds of recession this year, is that your question? Yeah. In the next year, six to 12 months. Yeah, so 12 months hence, I don't know. What do you think, guys? Maybe 25%, 30%? I don't think I'd put it, I, it's not It's not a majority, so I wouldn't put it higher than 50%, but one in three would probably be the worst case, um, the highest I would go, I should say. But yeah, I, I think it's probably, it feels like 25%, maybe one in four to me. Rajiv, what do you think? I also would think 25%, no more than that. And Steve, what do you think? I agree, 20, 25%. You know, it's interesting. We were, I was on a call earlier this week where they talked with a, a bunch of people like us and surveyed us. And I think the number that people looked at was 20 to 25%. And I, I believe your, your, your super forecasters, George, were, were significantly lower than that. I think they were like 10 or 15%, if I remember correctly. So um, we'll, see, we'll see if the, those folks are right or whether market participants are right. But it, it definitely does feel like um, we've, and a bit of an increase in terms of the potential for, for a, a recession, but we're nowhere near uh, where people think it's a certainty. Yeah, I think that's right. And even if we say it's you know 25%, Brian, that means that there's a 75% chance that we can avoid one, right? So let's look at that from the, the half, uh, half full perspective as well. Excellent point. And I know it's always tricky to give a number like that, so we take it with a grain of salt. So thanks uh, for entertaining the question, all three of you. George, Steve, and Rajiv, thanks for providing your insights. We appreciate it. And thanks to our listeners for joining us today. And be sure to subscribe to the Key Wealth Matters podcast through your favorite podcast app. 
As always, past performance is no guarantee of future results, and we know your financial situation is personal to you. So reach out to your relationship manager, portfolio strategist, or advisor for more information, and we'll catch up with you next week to see how the world and the markets have changed and provide those keys to help you achieve your financial success. The Key Wealth Matters podcast is produced by the Key Wealth Institute. The Key Wealth Institute is comprised of a collection of financial professionals representing key entities, including key private bank, key bank institutional advisors, and key investment services. Any opinions, projections, or recommendations contained herein are subject to change without notice and are not intended as individual investment advice. This material is presented for informational purposes only and should not be construed as individual tax or financial advice. Bank and trust products are offered by Key Bank National Association, member FDIC, and equal housing lender. Key ba- private bank and key bank institutional advisors are part of Key Bank. Investment products, brokerage, and investment advisory services are offered through Key Investment Services LLC or KISS, member FINRA, SIPC, and SEC registered investment advisor. Insurance products are offered through Key Corp Insurance Agency USA or KIA. KIS and KIA are affiliated with Key Bank. Investment and insurance products are not FDIC insured, not bank guaranteed, may lose value, not a deposit, not insured by any federal or state government agency. KeyBank and its affiliates do not provide tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult their personal tax advisor before making any tax-related investment decisions. This content is copyrighted by KeyCorp 2021.